Welcome to Series 2, Women on the Move, Behind Closed Doors podcast series. I am Donnie Walford, the founder and managing director of Behind Closed Doors. In today's episode, we are delighted to have as our guest, Sarah Bartholomews. Sarah is the founder and CEO of the virtual law firm, You Legal giving peace of mind to growing businesses at all stages of their life cycle. She knows her way around businesses, inside and outside the boardroom. Sarah's passion is to provide leaders with the confidence and certainty to make bold decisions. So Sarah, I am so excited to have you as our guest on our podcast series today. How, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Awesome, awesome. So I'm going to ask you some, some questions just to, to warm it up. So first of all, what is that song that totally reflects your personality? Do you know, I absolutely love the Journey song, Don't Stop Believing. I, it's the song that I play when I'm like heading to a speaking gig or even if I'm going for a night out and putting my makeup on. And I'm a bit of a choir nerd, as you know, so that song is from the TV show Glee yes. as well, so... It kind of does reflect everything, doesn't it? It does, it does. So if you didn't choose to be a lawyer back in your heyday, what career do you think you would have chosen? I reckon I would have been a CEO, which is so funny because that's what I do now as well as being a lawyer. So I just, I love organising things. I love being able to be creative in my work and being a CEO really kind of covers the whole gambit. Of what I enjoy. So obviously leadership is part of what you do. You're not just a leader of your own business, you're a leader in uh, the on- in entrepreneurs organisation. In actual fact, everything that I've known about you, you've always held leadership roles. So it makes sense that you probably wanted to be a CEO. Yeah, and it's so interesting. One my best friend from when we were four, we met in the playground at Lucy Morris Kindergarten in North Adelaide and the legend goes that she was making a sandcastle and I um, came and smoothed it down to make it look better (laughs) but we were at a at a wedding a few years ago and we were asked to set up the room for the reception and there was a bunch of people and Erin my friend said Now, you know what? You've got to get down and do some work. You can't just tell people what to do today. And so I was like, okay, fine. And I started putting on chair covers and no one else was doing anything. And so (laughs) I was like, why don't you do this and you do this? And Erin's like, nothing happens without leadership. And it is doing the work. It's just a different way of doing the work. Well, it's, it's getting things done through others, isn't it? Yeah. Leaders make it look easy until you're in their shoes. <laughs> it's a good way to put it. So when you established You Legal, you wanted to make it a firm where other lawyers enjoyed working and clients enjoyed working with you. Tell us how you've disrupted that traditional legal model. So in the traditional legal model, there are so many miserable lawyers. <laughs> so lawyers work and serve other people with all of themselves and it's to their detriment a lot of the time and the culture around it is very much working all 
the time and just sitting at your desk waiting for work. And so what I saw as a possibility was the option to do that in a more flexible way where lawyers could work from their homes, which now is very popular, and to work when the work was there and to do your life when the work wasn't there. And the reason for that is lawyers do suffer from one of the highest rates of depression and anxiety. And I thought there's got to be a better way. And clients want what they want when they need it, often with lawyers. And so I didn't really see the benefit of people sitting around in offices waiting for the work to come. So it's it's working for both, I think. Both the clients and the lawyers are happier, which was one of my main goals. So Sarah, your, your model is um, around that you have a number of contracted lawyers that have specialties in different fields, but you also have carved out a real niche for helping GPs, doctors, practices, don't you? Yes. Uh, yeah. And allied health. And the reason for that is I come from a medical family. So I'd seen so many doctors in my family getting professional advice that wasn't necessarily tailored to them. It was tailored to what the professional outcome was being guided towards without really understanding it. And the the fact is doctors go to medical school for such a long time, they don't go to business school. And when they own a practice, they really do rely on the professionals around them. So I felt like my heart was in the right place. I want to do the best thing for them. We just want to take care of doctors because they're so busy taking care of everyone else. Yeah, that's so true. And and because of that specialty, you've also carved out a, a niche as an author. So you've written three books now, one of them being Growing a Medical Practice. This book is written especially for your medical clients. Mm -hmm. Why are doctors and medical practice owners so important to you other other than what you've already described to us with, with you know, your family background? What, why specifically would you have written books around that? When I won my Telstra Business Women's Award in 2015, I met a doctor named Dr. April Armstrong and she runs a practice in Kalgoorlie and is incredibly vivacious and amazing and she became one of our clients and she just kept saying there's nobody that really takes care of us and so she was instrumental or she was instrumental in us realizing that we also love working with doctors they're very smart they do take advice when they need it because they're used to giving advice and people taking their advice I think so they respect other professionals. So they're, they're just lovely to work with as well. So you've since updated growing a medical practice. Can you tell us what the important updates are? Yeah, sure. We, we updated it for the second edition after the pandemic because how doctors practice medicine, like how all of us do business, has changed so much over the last 12 months. So it's updated to include how their doctors can work remotely, how telehealth works from a policy perspective, all those things that changed in business that weren't in the first edition because the reality was they didn't really need to be. But it's actually been a real boon, I think, for rural Australia to be able to have access to wonderful doctors that maybe aren't able to travel to see them as well. So we've been working with some practices in rural Australia now to create 
telehealth services agreements. So GPs often work as independent contractors on services agreements. So to create the ability for them to have different GPs and different specialists join the practice using telehealth and see their patients so that they can have the healthcare that is so important to all Australians. Absolutely. You've also turned this book into an audio book. I did. Do you know, I am absolutely obsessed with podcasts and audio books. And it seemed like uh, my other books, I just thought, well, you know, why not see what it's like to create an audio book? So I went into a studio and I read this 45,000 word book over six or seven hours and then had to listen to myself to see if there were any mistakes after it had been edited and yeah it's now up on audible and all the all the platforms for medical practitioners to download and listen to so why not give them the opportunity it's a great idea so not stopping at that you've also continued to write and you're in the process of writing a book about diversity which is very close to my heart as you know give us the inside scoop if you can on your new book and why did you pursue this particular topic i suppose it's a personal passion of mine that i believe that diversity makes everything better and that includes business and so the book is about diversity being a superpower in your business and taking it to the next level so even if you're more comfortable hiring people who are like you and you can really expand your business and the quality of the service or product that you provide by taking into account diverse points of view so that's what the book's going to be about and it really the process i'm going through at the moment is interviewing people who are leaders in the diversity space about what is actually needed in this book so it's at the very embryonic stage and so it's not not just specifically for medical practices no and not just for gender and not just for race and not just for religious affiliation but to cover the whole scope of diversity real diversity and inclusion no look i'm looking forward to seeing or hearing if it's an audio book about about what what some of those um, findings are and i know there's some really great examples of of organizations doing it really well but in in my experience sarah it it starts from the top starts from the board so if your board understands and and appreciates true diversity and inclusion then it just permeates through the organization so tell us how you practice diversity in your own business so we practice diversity in all our job ads we make a special call out for people who are diverse to apply i think inviting them specifically is important in fact in our most recent job invite we asked for people who are neurodiverse especially to apply because it's very much a numbers game and there's certain types of neurodiversity where people uh, are particularly good at numbers and so we we wanted them to feel invited we've got neurodiverse people in our team already and so they certainly wouldn't be alone and I think that's important as well to feel like there's a community as part of your diversity and that it's celebrated and we work within an accounting firm we rent space in there and there's a big team there's about 200 of them and they've got some great diversity in there as well so if people join our team in the office team then 
they're surrounded by by the culture of their business as well, which is really great. So one final question for you is over the last few years, you've joined a choir and, and you uh, sing in the fringe. And I, and I personally have seen and heard you the last the last three fringe shows. So what, what, what is it that you love about the choir and, and singing in gospel? Yeah, I love, I do it for my well-being. I feel like singing together with a group of people really is great for my mental health, for my emotional health, for, I don't know, just being together with a group. And last year was so hard. We, we, we were doing choir on Zoom and it just wasn't the same. So it's amazing to be back together. It's amazing that Adelaide can have this festival unlike so many other places in the world. So I like being part of high-performance teams And I feel like gospel is one of those. And it's so far out of my usual everyday activity that it's really fun. And I also like that I'm not the boss in that. I know you said you know me as a leader in so many ways, but I love that I can just turn up and Charmaine Jones, who's the choral director, is amazing. She's a genius. I love being around her energy and her vision at the beginning when we first start practicing and seeing it come to life with so many people on stage is is really inspiring. Well, a plug from me. Congratulations, Sarah, on all of your success in, in both you legal and everything you do. Thanks so much for being our guest today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Women on the Move podcast brought to you by Behind Closed Doors. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. To find out more about leadership and professional development for you, visit BehindCloseDoors.com where you can find the full range of memberships and coaching and mentoring options available. This is a Narrative Network podcast.